freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome back to our number two of episode 102 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And we are excited today about the guests we have coming up. And I'll just tell you real quick what our theme has been today. Our theme is, today is yesterday's tomorrow. So what do I mean by that? Well, we've been watching all the hubbub about the memo and the NFL National Anthem mess and the the whole State of the Union address. And what came to mind was that today is yesterday's tomorrow. And it might sound a little confusing, confusing, But what I mean is that what we do today impacts our tomorrows. It's all connected in a thread. What we teach our children in this present moment about our history will impact their future and the future of this country. How we spend our time today, where we invest our energies, and the way we treat our neighbors will ripple into the future. So what can you do today to make tomorrow better? Every one of us has that immense power because every today is yesterday's tomorrow. And our first guest in the second hour is Sydney Powell. Now, Sydney wrote a book about yesterday. It was called License to Lie, Exposing Corruption in the Department of Justice. And she's going to talk to us today about the implications all of that has to do over tomorrow. So Ms. Powell was a federal prosecutor in three districts under nine U.S. attorneys from both political parties, then in private practice for more than 20 years. She's a past president of the Bar Association of the Fifth Federal Circuit and the American Academy of Appellate Lawyers. She's a veteran of 500, I said 500, federal appeals. She also serves as senior policy advisor for America First and is a senior fellow for London Center for Policy Research. Welcome to the show, Sydney. Welcome back to the show, Sydney. Thank you so much, Cheryl. You've been on this topic for a long time, and I really appreciate it. Well, you started my curiosity with this this book that you wrote, Licensed to Lie, Exposing Corruption in the Department of Justice, because when it when I came became aware of it, it was already, you know, probably a year or two old, but it was so fresh because we were just learning about things under the um, Eric Holder Department of Justice with the um, Fast and Furious scandal and, and those kinds and of Operation things. Operation Choke Point, which I'm sure affected scads of gun dealers. Exactly. And then we flash forward another however many years it's been, a couple of years now, and it's just as fresh because here we are still talking about corruption and exposing corruption in the Department of Justice with this whole memo thing. 
So, you know, there's some people that are like, see, this is what we've been talking about. And there's other people that are trying to yawn it away like it's really no big deal. And I'm saying, you know, let's get out of the political mindset and let's look at, I think our Fourth Amendment rights are completely null and void. I think they don't even matter and nobody even cares anymore. And I thought, who better to talk to about that than Sidney Powell? So what, what can you tell us about this whole mess? Well, <laughs> the, the swamp is definitely alive, well, deep and broad. Mm. So, uh, you know, we elected Trump to start cleaning up all this mess. And the very fact that he elect, was elected is causing a lot of it to come to light. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think, if Hillary had been elected, all of this would have been buried. We would have had no idea exactly. about all the FISA violations Not. and the fact that the FBI was giving unlimited FISA access to raw data to private contractors. Mm. Can you say Fusion GPS and uh, CrowdStrike? I mean, just unfathomable conduct by these people. They have literally been running a surveillance state according to their own political whims and, and social agenda, and they readily adopted President Obama's social agenda, and, and now apparently there are text messages that I have not had a chance to read yet that indicate that Obama wanted to know everything that was going on with the whole Peter Stroke, Lisa Page conduct and Fusion GPS and the Steele dossier and all of that, which doesn't surprise me because we already know that uh, the day after the FBI was forced to cut off Fusion GPS's access to the raw FISA data, which they never should have had in the first place, mm. Mary Jacoby, Glenn Simpson's wife at Fusion GPS, goes trotting straight over to the White House, according to the White House visitor log. Mm. Uh, there's an, another good blog to follow in addition to all of uh, my work on the da- for the Daily Caller and the New York Observer and other places. It's called The Last uh, Refuge, I think, or The Conservative Treehouse. And they've been all over this, and they also upload a lot of the documents so you can see things for yourself, which is what I always go to find, you know, the real court documents or whatever. So we're not looking at anybody else's spin on it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's so much a part of the problem is that we don't take time and and sometimes like we don't even know where to look to right. to get the real information and so we have to rely on the CNNs the MSNBCs and and the Foxes um, networks out there to kind of boil it down and tell us what we should think about things and I think that's where so much of the problem comes in because even the people that are truly trying to give it to you as straight as they can, it's it's big. It's confusing. There's a lot of names. There's a huge cast of characters. And then in another sense, is it really a huge cast of characters? Or is this whole thing, does it just revolve around maybe a dozen people that just keep passing the same gossip to one another and trying to make it seem like it's more relevant and more true with every passing? Well, I think there are probably about 20 key people at the very top, including the folks at Fusion GPS and probably a couple of other organizations, all tied in some way, shape, or form with the Clintons and at the FBI and the DOJ. So we're talking about people like James Comey, the former director of the FBI, Mm -hmm. Andrew McCabe, the deputy director of the FBI, who Mm -hmm. has just 
gone on leave until he can start drawing his pension because of all of his misconduct. Mm-hmm. Of course, James Baker, the general counsel of the FBI, Peter Stroke, um, Lisa Page, the two lovers text messaging each other 10,000 times. I don't even know how they possibly got any work done with all their texting. I don't think I've texted that much in my entire life. And then at the DOJ, we've got, of course, Loretta Lynch, Sally Yates, and then we learned that Rod Rosenstein and Dana Buente both signed extensions for the FISA application based on the totally bogus Steele Clinton bought and paid for dossier, mm-hmm. which is extremely troubling because each time they went to the FISA court to get the warrant to surveil Carter Page, and mind you, uh, Carter Page was not even part of the Trump campaign when they got the warrant. He had already left whatever his outside minimal advisory role was because they attacked him immediately. So mm-hmm. when the FBI got the very first warrant, he wasn't even part of the campaign. But that warrant was cover for all the surveillance they'd already illegally done and and all of the uh, FISA data they'd shared with Fusion GPS and Hillary's friends to gin up this dossier to begin with. Right. And then apparently they used uh, they used Christopher Steele. They used Sidney Blumenthal. They used uh, another guy, Shearer or something, whose name I, I don't even remember, to put to see the the news media <clears throat> the friendly media with whatever they could seed it with on all of these phony stories mm-hmm. and then use that as self corroboration for the the steel dossier the the FISA application itself according to the Nunez memo recites a Yahoo news story as corroboration for the right. steel dossier when Christopher Steele planted the Yahoo news story too so, if so we, it's it's all a pack of lies. If we took the, you know, these names out that have become, you know, they've become hot buttons for people, hot emotional buttons for people. If you took the names out and you just uh, tried to describe it like, you know, um, you know, here's a situation that happened. This, uh, you know, Joe doesn't like Sam. And so Joe decided that he was going to start a rumor about Sam and then he passed it over to Jill. And like, if you, if you just could tell it that way. Right. It's the classic telephone game where you sit with kids in a circle in grade school and one person says one thing and passes it down the chain and it comes back around not only is it totally different but it's 10 times worse than it ever started out being it is and i think that people could could be able to step back a little bit from they feel so threatened that if this is bad it makes the guy i voted for president obama bad and if he's bad then that makes me bad and I think it's just all so emotionally tied and that is what the 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 big networks are playing off of and they just want to yep. make it so threatening to your self esteem and your self uh, concept that you can't just you know rely on reading and comprehension to go oh here's what happened here's who said what and yeah that's that's not good that is not good for our country no matter whether I wear the R on my chest or the D on my chest. 
Right, and it has nothing to do with the voters other than it's an example of how horribly the voters were misled. Exactly. I mean, the Fourth Amendment, I think, is the victim here more so than even, you know, President Trump and, and all the people surrounding him that it, are getting smeared with this this uh, fake dossier nonsense. Exactly. Um, I mean, imagine if it were you. The FISA oh. warrant is the most intrusive <clears throat> possible um, kind of surveillance that can be conducted on anybody with that authorization they could literally review every financial transaction every relationship every everything in carter page's life hi sydney this is dan uh welcome to the show do you hey thanks dan uh, do you think that um what do you think is going to happen with all this i mean are we going to get some of this cleaned up? We have to. If we don't, we can just kiss our entire judicial system goodbye. I mean, here we have the politicization and weaponization of the two supposedly most preeminent law enforcement organizations in the entire world, the FBI and the United States Department of Justice. And we now know they were both absolute tools for the democratic political machine. Right, I just concerned. So not only do some people have to be fired, but there need to be criminal prosecutions for these. It was flagrant obstruction of justice. It was deliberate, calculated obstruction of justice and abuse of power and any number of other violations of federal laws for which many people are sitting in prison right now having committed far less serious violations. But I see how... Right out in the open, Eric Holder was, and he got off scot-free. You know, everybody thinks he's a, well, a lot of people think he's a hero, and he did a lot of wrong, and nothing happened to him. Exactly. Well, and then we're, we're getting evidence now that, that nobody ever saw before except the people that wanted to hide it to protect their own agenda. Well, and I'm glad for that because, you know, the, the left, the Democrats, the liberals have been, you know, fine-tooth combing every single possible thing they can to try to, you know, create something about this Russian collusion thing with with President Trump. And then here all of this is just waiting for somebody to examine with a clear mind. And they don't, they're, they're like, nope, nothing to see here. It's completely just let's laugh it off and yawn it off. And it's like, mm, okay, intellectual honesty has got to play a part at some point point where you say well if if it's good for the goose let's look at it for the gander you know what i see i see that you know they thought that clinton was going to win so strong that they got sloppy Mm. and and i think that that, so that's i think that's a saving part that we might be able to uncover a lot of stuff because they got sloppy at the end Oh, yeah. I think there's going to be a whole lot more coming out with uh, this whole creeps on a mission thing, as I've called it, mm-hmm. because the inspector general of the Department of Justice is going to be coming out with a report. He, he's the one that found the stroke page text to begin with. Absolutely. He was appointed by Obama, but he's one of 47 inspector generals appointed by Obama who complained that the Obama administration was stonewalling their efforts to do their job. Hmm. So, you know, even his own appointees recognized it was the least transparent administration in history. <laughs> well, they're so, they're so good about cover-up that scares me is because, you know, they kept saying, don't release a memo, don't release a memo. The Democrats are crying. You can't release it. 
It's just yeah. too secure. And then when they release it, say, oh, that's nothing. And they right. knew what the memo was. The politicians exactly. knew. And so now it's nothing. So it's another cover-up. And it's just, it's just they, they put it all under a little blankie and then walk away. And I'm really nervous that they're going to do that again. Oh, yeah. They'll do it apparently every, every chance they get. And, you know, I think all of this is another reason that the American people need to seriously consider the importance of term limits. Mm. and voting long-standing politicians out of office. Mm-hmm. I think we also need to review our entire civil service system. Mm-hmm. People need to be easily fired, uh, just like they would be in any other business for any kind of misconduct. What a novel idea. Yeah, we give them leave. <laughs> we give them leave with the uh, paid leave when they're yeah. when they're criminals. I, yeah. R- right. No, if, if I were there, they would have been fired already. So I think that's the way most people understand it, sh- it should work. And we need to abolish this notion of lifelong government employment for anyone because change is healthy. Absolutely. It keeps everything cleaner. Absolutely. And I've gotten to the point where I think nobody should ever draw a government paycheck for more than 15 years tops. I think you've got a lot of merit with that idea, especially in light of all of this that we're learning if people will open their minds and really learn about it. And I, I think that's what I, I hope people come away with. And I, I hope they feel that as a challenge that, you know, sometimes it's scary to look at things and maybe it makes you feel a little uncomfortable because, well, shoot, I, ugh, I voted for these people. And I was on Twitter saying, Hey, go, go Obama and go Holder and go Comey. And now it but turns out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go as in leave. Oh. Um, but, uh, I just really think that we should clear our minds, look at it for what it is, and, you know, if it's uncomfortable, that's okay. It's better to be a little uncomfortable today and protect our tomorrow. But, um, Sydney Powell, thank you so much for taking time. I know you've got a flight to catch, and uh, we've got another guest waiting on the line we're excited to bring on, and we just really appreciate all the work you're doing. You, um, you know, you've been on a lot of the, the networks trying to tell truth, You've got this book, License to Lie, Exposing Corruption in the Department of Justice. And um, I just really appreciate how you help uh, educate us and help make sense out of things. And so just as we go out, please tell folks how they can follow more of your work. Yes, thank you, Cheryl. Follow me on Twitter at Sydney Powell, the number one. It's S-I-D-N-E-Y-P-O-W-E-L-L. I tweet all my articles there. I've got articles on the Daily Caller and the New York Observer at Observer.com that are longstanding and we're very prescient mm-hmm. in terms of what we're seeing now. It's uh, I'm really a lawyer by trade. That's I still practice law. But I saw conduct that was so egregious I could not be silent about it, and I've effectively staked my law license on the validity of what's in the book. Absolutely. Well, thank you again so much, and uh, we will definitely be talking to you again in the future. Thank you, Cheryl. Absolutely. And Dan. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Sydney Powell. All right, stick around, because coming up we have Natalie Foster. She's going to be talking about shooting while pregnant, how to interact with a doctor. Maybe he's being a little intrusive, whether you're pregnant or not. We've all got those questions that come from the physicians, like, do you have guns in the home? And how many do you have? That's the first thing I ask a new doctor now. What's that? If they have guns in the yeah. home. <laughs> you spin if they it don't, back on them. I'm going back somewhere. I'm going to find one that does. <laughs> I love it. All right. Stick around. Right after this, 
we have Natalie Foster. Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at pottygoldestate.com. The Second Amendment Foundation is the organization that protects our right to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Now they need our help. Go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation today. Dedicated to promoting a better understanding of our constitutional heritage to privately own and possess firearms. Support those who support our Second Amendment rights today. That's saf.org. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. And we are so excited to bring our next guest back on again, Miss Natalie Foster. She is the creator of Girls Guide to Guns and a girls guide to guns an online resource for females who are new to the shooting sports she's an nra commentator and she hosts love at first shots on nrawomen.tv now natalie just had her second child congratulations and we want so absolutely <laughs> we wanted to ask her about the whole topic of shooting while pregnant and how do we deal with these doctors and their intrusive questions and welcome to the show natalie thank you so much it's so good to talk to you guys um i know you had a, a very fun eventful shot show i was sad to miss you there but so glad to connect now i know well you were kind of uh you know you had a pretty good excuse you were uh <laughs> bringing a whole new life into the world no, and... wait a minute you missed a shot show so you could have a baby <laughs> <laughs> yes, Come the, the on, Natalie. Time. What's wrong with you? Come <laughs> priorities, on. Priorities, Natalie. They priorities. have rooms to do that at the oh. shot show. 
You know, I believe they probably would. And I believe that there are plenty of people there equipped to handle childbirth, actually. <laughs> true but, uh, but I think, you know, it was just smart to kind of stick around with my doctor in my hospital. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I'll give you that. All right. So we ran out of time when we had you on uh, last show uh, talking about all the issues of shooting while pregnant. And I don't want to do that again. I want to dive right in. So you did a lot of research about how do you handle these intrusive doctors and their, you know, how, how, what do you say to them? How do you handle them? Right. Yeah. So there are a couple of things here, a couple of issues going on. And, and there, there has been some gray area and some question marks over the years, um, especially around the time that Obamacare was uh, being enacted. And I know that the NRA fought very hard to make sure that, you know, uh, doctors just were fair about it, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and and of course, there have been some laws even in Florida and that kind of thing that have been debated and ruled upon. And uh, the bottom line is that doctors can ask you about your firearm ownership. Um, it's not It's not barred. You know, as uh, some people have believed. Now, and here's the other thing, though, too, is that doctors, you know, I have family members who are doctors. In fact, um, my father is a doctor and he's the one who taught me to shoot. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, there are plenty of pro Second Amendment firearms, you know, firearms uh, or gun shooters out there. Um, who are physicians. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind. And honestly, I look for those doctors. I, I look, um, you know, I kind of word of mouth ask around uh, just based on what I do for a living. You guys too. And I know there's so many people out there who are your listeners who are, you know, th- their lifestyle uh, often revolves around firearms. So what you can do is look for these physicians on your own word of mouth, um, even sometimes articles that they published and that kind of thing. And they'll let you know, you know, where they stand on the Second Amendment. I think that's the first thing going in. That It, it well, certainly has been for me, we, that they share my values, you know? Absolutely. We invited our doctor to come out and shoot with us. So oh, yeah. We, <laughs> and he said yes. And he is now a customer. And he's just an awesome guy. <laughs> and we have a whole new way of relating to each other. He actually has moved on. He's not our, our, our doctor now. But, I mean, that's a way to do it, too, maybe. Sure, absolutely. I think that's a really good point. And then you've got to keep in mind, too, that their primary concern is your health, safety, and well-being, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. So if they are, you know, it's one thing if the doctor is saying, you know, do you have guns? And if they're writing it down in your medical file. And it's another thing entirely if they are saying to you, um, hey, if you have guns, be sure and keep them locked up, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and. Be sure and read that, uh, you know, the scenarios, right? If, if you feel like they're being invasive, you absolutely have the right to push back and say, you know what, that's not a question that I, uh, that is appropriate for you to ask, mm-hmm. or uh, I, don't, I don't feel comfortable answering, or I don't feel comfortable with the way that you've asked that. You, you absolutely have the power. A lot of people, you know, believe that doctors are the end-all, be-all authority, kind of like the talking heads on TV or something like that. It's not true, right? They, you, they are exceptionally well-trained mm-hmm. normally, but you also want to keep in mind that um, they're human. They're fallible. They may not know what they're talking about when it comes to firearms. And if they've only been, if they've only been educated about firearms in their medical school classes, then that's probably not going to be sufficient for them to be authorities on telling you how to uh, to, you know, lock up your firearms or how you should, you know, manage your lifestyle when it comes to the Second Amendment. That said, if you, you know, if your loved one is at risk, 
you know, with mental health issues or that kind of thing, it does fall upon them to be able to, uh, you know, guide you and Mm -hmm. guide that loved one Mm -hmm. to be able to take care of themselves. You know, maybe it's a passing situation, passing time, but, you know, it is important for many of us to be cognizant of the mental health issue as well. Mm -hmm. So, Interesting that a doctor doctor would ask you if you have guns or not, and you would say, uh, I don't want to answer that question, that they would refuse helping you if it just doesn't make sense to me. That's not what they're there for. They're for to help you. They're, that's what their job is. So whether I got guns or not is none of their business. Right, right. And, uh, I mean, it's true. It's not necessarily their business. But if they are, you know, like I said, just reading the situation, if they genuinely are there to try to help you and are concerned about your well-being or that of a loved one, then, you know, that's one thing. But absolutely if they're being invasive and they're trying to put it in your medical file that you know now with new regulations that were enacted during Obamacare could be accessed by a lot of people um, you know that you want to be aware of that and be really smart absolutely. the bottom line is that you want to use your use your brain and know you know kind of uh, think through the possibilities of what's going on and if they're just being genuine helpful doctors which by and large the vast majority mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. then you know that's one thing but um but but also be aware of people being too invasive, certainly. Well, if it was a psychological thing, I could understand that. But if I have the flu and the doctor says, oh, do you have any guns? <laughs> How many sure. You, which ones? What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, right, have you heard? That's too much. I mean, unless, I mean, unless they want to compare their, you know, their I, arsenal with yours. Right, <laughs> right. I, I Maybe think that's it, what they're doing. I think a more important question a doctor could ask is, uh, you know, if you're sick, is, well, how is your living environment? Is your house clean? I mean, because that's important, right? I mean, so. I'm sorry, Natalie. And when you were talking about, you know, the mental health concern, and that is a definite concern, but uh, I think that too often that is the focus is, you know, just guns. Well, you know, a lot of people hurt themselves and take their lives with uh, other items like sharp instruments and enclosed garages and, you know, rope and things of that nature. Absolutely. And I'm sure that a a question long prior to, you know, whether you have guns in the home or not should be about your mental health, right? Like, how are you feeling? How's it going? You know, and uh, I mean, I've certainly had, you know, with postpartum, they uh, doctors are often concerned about postpartum depression, even Mm -hmm. postpartum psychosis, which is very, very rare, Mm -hmm. but it does happen. It's it's for real. (laughs) It is. Yeah. It is. And these are concerns. And even if it's a temporary situation, you may not need to have firearms around at that time. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that's for everybody. I, you know, I, I know people who have suffered from these things and for them, it is the best, best thing. I haven't personally experienced that, but, um, right. but certainly, you know, these sensitive times in our lives, we want to be, we want to be aware, but that said, doctors are not the bad guy necessarily. <laughs> you know, they, now if you get one that is not, uh, is not a good doctor, that's a different that's a different situation, but you want to be, um, I, I often like, I like to give doctors the benefit of the doubt because I did grow up in a medical household and I know, um, how hard they work to protect you, you know, Absolutely. and, uh, and take care of their patients and they dedicate their lives to this. And so, um, you know, going in with that mentality too, I think is really important, but just be cognizant and aware and know, uh, know where you stand and know where your limits are about, uh, invasive questions. And if you feel they're being too invasive, you stand up for yourself and you say, nope, I'm not going to answer that. 
and you can switch doctors. Exactly. Because we're in America, right? And if you're unhappy with your doctor, go find another one. If you're unhappy with your job, go find another one, right? We have that freedom um, yep. to do God that. God bless capitalism. <laughs> I, amen. And so, you know, part of that is what more personal professional relationship is there out there than between you and your doctor? And so if you don't have a good comfort level with this person, you know, just help yourself. Don't don't be mad at the doctor. Just go find one that you fit better with, that you have a better fit with. Yeah, that's true. And also, if you if they if you really feel like they've crossed the line, you can absolutely report it to the insurance company. Mm-hmm. You can report it to the American Medical Association. Um, there are governing bodies that you know do that are uh, in charge of these doctors and that do certify these doctors and if they get complaints they, they want to know you know they, they pay attention to that kind of thing excellent so there's point. always that that recourse as well so natalie when's the first time you'll take your baby to the range <laughs> there's a question I know, I know i can't wait i tell you what that's one of the things that i so look forward to with my uh you know i have a two-year-old and, and a two-week-old now oh my and gosh. Um, are you exhausted? <laughs> I'm tired for oh you. Oh my gosh, I can't even. Uh, I, I can't even talk about it. <laughs> well, I've got a I've got a three year old grandbaby. She's a little over three now, and I'm really itching to take her out, and I want to get her her first gun, you know, and everything. And I'm trying to figure out my my daughter is not real happy about it right now, but I want her to go shooting. No, you know? it's just yeah. the you know hearing protection for someone so little who may not leave it on and. Things like that. That's what we're worried about. Cassie yeah, that, loves that is guns. Very... And... Sure. No, I know. I know Cassie loves, she's a, a big supporter. But, um, you know, with little ones like this, it really is tricky. I mean, what I've started with is is uh, gun safety. You know, obviously Eddie Eagle from mm-hmm. NRA mm-hmm. Uh, with my two-year-old. And I'm so proud of him. You know, he'll, I'll, I'll receive gun magazines in the mail and that kind of thing. And, and I was shocked, by the way, at just how aware, how cognizant he is of all of this. So, um, you know, I, he, he asks, he says, what's that? And I'll say it's a gun. And, and our rule right now, or the thing, our little mantra for him at two years old is that's a gun. Don't touch. Mm -hmm. That's a gun. Don't touch. You know, Mm -hmm. we just repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. And we went to my, uh, none of our guns are, uh, are exposed anywhere that he could see them in our home. But, um, my father has a, uh, you know, a glass, uh, a secure glass, uh, gun case Mm -hmm. and, and when we walked into his trophy room, he said, uh, he pointed at the gun and he said, gun, don't touch. Nice. Well, my oh, dog, that's, was, that's awesome. My, and my, it's grand- my proudest moment as a mother. Seriously. <laughs> and our three-year-old grandbaby, she, she, uh, does the Eddie Eagle program and she sings a song and I, I yeah. can't imagine what's going on in her head because she knows not to touch, but then she comes in the auction house and play, you know, comes in and. Uh, stays and with the them sometimes, store, and there's and guns everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> but you know what? She doesn't touch no, them. No, she doesn't. She'll touch yeah. other things, but she'll stay away from the guns. And I think that Eddie Eagle program, even at two years old, is a great way to get them started because they they hear that tune and they just they just go. Absolutely. Well, it's fun and it's engaging, and you know these are the things that as parents we want them to grow up with uh, a reverence for the power of the firearm, but not a fear. Mm-hmm. And this, that's a really it can be a really fine line. And it's but a really important um, balance to strike, right? So mm-hmm. I I can't wait until I uh, I, I bought <laughs> I bought my son's first uh, gun, a little pellet gun, at so the NRA cute. show last year, it. and 
I know. I'm so excited to eventually take him shooting. We're not there yet. I, I don't feel comfortable quite yet. But, yeah. you know, um, we'll, we'll introduce it in stages. And, right. uh, I mean, we don't even shoot water guns or anything yet, yeah. you know. But, they don't um, know. They don't know. There's no, you can teach them to, and watch them, but they still don't know. They don't know what. Right. I mean, right now we're working on, we're working on establishing don't hit your brother, you know. (laughs) Yes. The the two-year-old don't hit the two-month-old just, or two-week-old. Right, exactly. I I think the first time I went shooting with my dad, I was three and I, I didn't have any hearing problems holding the targets up for him while he shoots. Oh my gosh, Dan. That's oh, a- <laughs> wow. Yeah. Back in the old day. That's, you know, back in the old day when we walked to school in the snow. That oh kind of thing. my gosh. That's- yeah, up, uphill both ways, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, see, that, and see, now we know so much more about hearing yeah. protection, which is what we talked about last time um, you had me on the show. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we do have to be so careful with all of that. Fortunately, suppressors can help, but you've always got to have that hearing protection, and especially. Um, as you said, for the little ones, uh, you know, I mean, we're talking about a lifetime of hearing damage that can be done if you're not exceptionally careful. So, um, so I, you know, three cheers to your lovely daughter about that. (laughs) Thank you for that. And thank you so much for coming back on with us and talking to us about, you know, how do we engage with those people there? They, they have such authority in our minds which is good when right. it comes to, you know, what they've studied, which is health. And, and maybe, you know, step back a little bit and, and realize that, okay, so the whole gun thing, it's not really their core area. And, you know, right. some might ask, but we have no huge obligation to share that information with them. Um, no, absolutely. And, I mean, and definitely heed their advice about keeping it locked up and knowing how to do that. And I have had, like I said, doctors say that to me. Um, but, and that's perfectly fine, but I know that I know more about it than they do. (laughs) Exactly. You've spent a little bit of time studying this particular area. So, all right. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Hugs and kisses to the family, especially that brand new little two week old baby. Oh, I've seen pictures. Thank you guys so so much. So beautiful. You do good (laughs) work, Natalie. (laughs) I'm I'm pretty proud of them. So I appreciate that. (laughs) Absolutely. Natalie Foster of Girls Guide to Guns. Thank you so much, Natalie. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you later. All right. Bye-bye. All right. So stick around because our responsibly armed citizen report today is a little bit different. I think you're going to like what we have in store. So come right back to us. America, America, make God thy gold refined, till all success be nobleness. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. 
fun? Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. Come listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com. For straight shooting, look to the biggest little gun shop in the West, azfirearms.com where they have everything you need to be a safe and responsible gun owner. Huge selection and a friendly and knowledgeable staff. They're my nationwide hometown gun shop, and you should make it yours, too. And when you go, tell them old Don Collier sent you. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, this is the part of the show where we give our responsibly armed citizen report. And it's usually where we bring you a news clip of somebody that has saved a life or protected life by being responsibly armed citizen, but today we're gonna do it just a little bit different. Fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. So before we could fight for the American way, we had to, you know, create America, right? And so this clip is taking you back in time. It's a story about the writing and the reason for our national anthem, our Star Spangled Banner. And there's been so much hubbub about it lately that I think that that the core of the message, the core of the poetry, the core of the story has gotten really lost. And why is it in our Responsible Armed Citizen Report sec- section? Well, because if it weren't for Responsibly Armed Citizens, I don't think we would be talking about truth, justice, and the American way so sit back it's a little lengthy but sit back and just enjoy this telling of the star spangled banner and again because we rarely get to hear how precious our national anthem is and the story surrounding it sit back relax here we go There was a lawyer once, his name was Francis Scott Key. He penned a song that I'm sure you're aware of, you've seen it, it's in most hymnals throughout our churches, it's called the National Anthem. It is our song as an American. We go, however, to a ball game, we stand in our church services and we sing the words of that song and they float over our minds and our lips and we don't even realize what we're singing. Most of us have memorized it as a child, but we've never really thought about what it means. Let me tell you a story. Francis Scott Key was a lawyer in Baltimore. The colonies were engaged in vicious conflict with the mother country, Britain. 
Because of this conflict and the protractedness of it, they had accumulated prisoners on both sides. The American colonies had prisoners and the British had prisoners. And the American government initiated a move. They went to the British and they said, let us negotiate for the release of these prisoners. They said, we want to send a man out to discuss this with you. They were holding the American prisoners in boats about a thousand yards offshore. And they said, we want to send a man by the name of Francis Scott Key. He will come out and negotiate to see if we can make a mutual exchange. On the appointed day in a rowboat, he went out to this boat and he negotiated with the British officials. And they reached a conclusion that men could be exchanged on a one-for-one -one basis. Francis Scott Key, jubilant with the fact that he'd been successful, went down below in the boats and what he found was a cargo hold full of humanity, men. And he said, men, I've got news for you tonight. You're free. He said, tonight I have negotiated successfully your return to the colonies. He said, you'll be taken out of this boat, out of this filth, out of your chains. As he went back up on board to arrange for their passage to the shore, the admiral came and he said, we have a slight problem. He said, we will still honor our commitment to release these men, but it'll be merely academic after tonight. It won't matter. And Francis Scott Key said, what do you mean? He said, well, Mr. Key, he said, tonight we have laid an ultimatum upon the colonies. Your people will either capitulate and lay down the colors of that flag that you think so much of, or you see that fort right over there, Fort Henry? He said, we're going to remove it from the face of the earth. He said, how are you going to do that? He said, if you will, scan the horizon of the sea. And as he looked, he could see hundreds of little dots. And he said, that's the entire British war fleet. He said, all of the gunpowder, all of the armament is being called upon to demolish that fort. It will be here within striking distance in a matter of about two and a half hours. He said, the war is over. These men would be free anyway. He said, you can't shell that fort. He said, that's, that's a large fort. He said, it's full of women and children. He says, it's predominantly not a military fort. He said, don't worry about it. They said, we've left them a way out. And he said, what's that? He said, do you see that flag way up on the rampart? He said, we have told them that if they will lower that flag, the shelling will stop immediately. And we'll know that they've surrendered, and you'll now be under British rule. Francis Scott Key went down below and told the men what was about to happen. And they said, how many ships? He said, hundreds. The ships got closer. Francis Scott Key went back up on top and he said, men, I'll shout down to you what's going on as we watch. As twilight began to fall and as the haze hung over the ocean as it does at sunset, suddenly the British war fleet unleashed. He says the sound was deafening. There were so many guns that there were no reliefs. He said it was absolutely impossible to talk or hear. He said suddenly the sky, although dark, was suddenly lit. And he says from down below, all he could hear the men, the prisoners, saying was, Tell us where the flag is. What have they done with the flag? Is the flag still flying over the rampart? Tell us. One hour, two hours, three hours into the shelling, 
every time the bomb would explode and it would be close to the flag, they could see the flag and the illuminated red glare of that bomb. And Francis Scott Key would report down to the men below, it's still up. It's not down. The admiral came and he said, your people are insane. He said, what's the matter with them? He said, don't they understand this is an impossible situation? Francis Scott Key said he remembered what George Washington had said. He said, the thing that sets the American Christian apart from all other people in the world is he will die on his feet before he'll live on his knees. The Admiral said, we have now instructed all of the guns to focus on the rampart to take that flag down. He said, we don't understand something. Our reconnaissance tells us that that flag has been hit directly again and again and again, and yet it's still flying. We don't understand that. But he said, now we're about to bring every gun for the next three hours to bear on that point. Francis Scott, he said the barrage was unmerciful. All that he could hear was the men down below praying. The prayer. God, keep that flag flying where we last saw it. Sunrise came. He said there was a heavy mist hanging over the land, but the rampart was tall enough. There stood the flag completely nondescript in shreds. The flag pole itself was at a crazy angle, but the flag was still at the top. Francis Scott Key went aboard and immediately went into Fort Henry to see what had happened. And what he'd found had happened was that that flag pole and that flag had suffered repetitious direct hits. And when hit had fallen. But men, fathers, who knew what it meant for that flag to be on the ground, although knowing that all of the British guns were trained on it, walked over and held it up humanly until they died. Their bodies were removed and others took their place. Francis Scott Key said what held that flagpole in place at that unusual angle were patriots' bodies. He penned the song, Oh say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming. Or the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that the flag was still there. Oh say, does that star-spangled banner yet fly and wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave? The debt was demanded. Price, it was so I know that uh, it took a while, but I think it was time well spent. I think it was worthwhile to go back and consider 
all the all the bodies that have propped up the flag over all the different conflicts and all the different times in history when we're still freedom yeah when freedom and liberty had been tried to be trampled tried to be knocked over and people will willingly step up and put their lives on the line to say nope not today not today how do we keep having those people have that power though i mean we're we're losing it it's like people don't care about the value of the constitution and it's changing now. Well, I don't know if you can say people as in all people. Because not all. No, definitely not. I know a lot of people that would stand for America 100%. And we just need to encourage more people. That's the one of the purposes of our, our show, right? Engage. We educate. We inform. We're trying to, you know, cause people to listen to that, argue with that. Yeah. Right? Like I saw online where there were people who were like, well, that story didn't, they didn't tell it right. Okay. Then tell us how it's right. Engage yourself. Educate yourself. And no matter what, how many people have died for this country with that same meaning, same, same. I, I heard that, and it, I just had tears in my eyes over it. Wow. You know, Ed was saying they, they taught him that in school. They showed him that in school, and I, that's awesome. It, we, we had a lot of that kind of stuff back in my uh, elementary school, and it was here in Arizona, mm-hmm. and there, we were made to watch that. It was a little film mm-hmm. that they showed us, and the whole thing's about oh, about 14 minutes long, but mm-hmm. yeah. And if anybody knows who the narrator is on that, please uh, message me on Facebook, uh, because I, I couldn't find out who it was, and it's so familiar. It's like I can almost picture the face of the narrator, and I... I just can't get it. But we we need to wrap up. What a great show. I don't want to wrap up. I know, but it's time. So uh, definitely want to thank Ed. Thank you so much for all you do. You set up all those clips, got all the music, and keep me on time. Let me know that it's it's not Veterans Day today. <laughs> that was that was my bad. But, Thanks but we for enjoyed, the help, Ed. Thanks but for we the enjoyed help. all of the patriotic music, even though, right? Because right. we were feeling patriotic anyway. But thank you so much to our listeners. What we do here doesn't matter. We'd just be talking to ourselves if it weren't for you. Thank you so much for listening and sharing the show with your friends. Uh, Thank you so much to our guests. My goodness, taking time out of their very busy lives to come on and talk to us about their areas of expertise. So please keep the conversation going on social media, on Facebook. Uh, Check out our website, gunfreedomradio.com. This is a conversation. We are listening. We want to know what you think, what your what your take was, if there's questions that we left you with on a certain guest or, or anything. So please reach out to us. And until next time, pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. All of them? All of them, Dan. One of these days, I hope I won't have to say that anymore. Even the ones you don't like. <sighs> especially the ones you don't like. You're not my boss. Because... <laughs> You're not the boss of me. Be good to each other. Have a great week and God bless. Our founding fathers here in this country brought about the only true revolution that has ever taken place in man's history. Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another set of rulers. But only here did that little band of men so advanced beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since evolve the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. 
We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free.